Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Right. Well, again, welcome today. Glad you're here. We are in part three of a series we're calling Mixed Emojis. And if you've missed the last couple weeks, I always want to encourage you to go back and watch those online if you get a chance or you can listen through uh, your podcast as well. also want to welcome those of you who join us online today, wherever you're at. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you taking part in our service today. Well, today, as we dive into this, uh, we only have two more weeks, so I had to really kind of be particular uh, about what emotions do I teach on. There's so many, uh, and today we're going to talk about fear, and next week we're going to talk about anger and uh, kind of bitterness or unforgiveness, and I, I believe these two probably can have the greatest impacts on our lives, and so how do we navigate through these. Psychologists have discovered something like 645 different known fears that people can have. How many of you got like some kind of fear? Like maybe it's something silly, like you're afraid of spiders or, you know, like maybe heights or maybe that's not so silly for some of you, but, but you know, just something where you, you have a fear. 645 that they have found that people can have a fear with. But here's the crazy thing. You're only born with two fears. Instinctively, you're only afraid of loud noises, babies, and falling. That's it. Everything else you've learned somehow, that you've had an experience that caused you to be scared, someone told you something, whatever it may be. So I feel like if there is a way to learn fears, that maybe there's a way through God's word that we can unlearn some of them, right? That we can get some freedom from fear today. Because fear is a big thing. Because fear can really uh, paralyze us and, and keep us from enjoying the present in embracing our future. You think about that. Fear can, can cause paralysis where you really just kind of freeze in the moment and you can be so fearful of what's to come that you can't even enjoy the life you have right now. And so it's important for us if we are going to enjoy the life that God's given us and to embrace the future that he has for us that we learn how to navigate and overcome fear. In scripture, it's something around 145 times God tells us in the Bible to not fear or not to worry. How many of you think he was trying to drive a point to his kids, right? That we will have the tendency in this world and the issues that we face to struggle with fear. So we have to learn through God's word how we then can overcome it with his help. In Matthew 10, Jesus is teaching his disciples and he tells his disciples this. He says, here's the deal. I'm gonna send you out and you're gonna be sheep among wolves, you're going to be sheep among wolves. How many of you know that's not a good thing, right? I, I, if I said, hey, guys, I want, I want to send you out. We're doing an outreach, and you're going to be sheep among wolves, okay? Uh, so just be excited about that, right? And so he's telling his disciples, and then he, it gets worse. He says, uh, they're going to persecute you. Um, they're going to arrest you. They're going to beat you up, and everyone's going to hate you. But don't be afraid. That's what Jesus tells his disciples, and I'm it's, well, how, how can I not be afraid? He goes on in, in verse 28 of chapter 10, and he says, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So wait a second. He's saying, don't fear, but have a little bit of fear. Don't fear, but, but fear me. 
Fear God, and and, and reverence fear, that's what we're talking about, like a reverence, a respect for God. The Bible says in Proverbs 1 that that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom, and it's not that we're fearful to approach God. We're fearful to come to him because he welcomes us, even with our sin, because of what Jesus has done. You don't have to be afraid of him. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to punish you, but it says to respect who he is. Respect the, the, the authority and the power that he holds. Kind of like, hopefully, your, your children have a reverent, respectful fear of you as a parent, right? We can only pray that, that they do, right? That my kids at least go, okay, I'm not going to push dad too far because if he snaps, he, he could cause some damage here, you know. Uh, and so we have that kind of fear, but Jesus is saying, you don't have to fear the, the peripheral stuff, the stuff happening in your life. We don't have to do that. He goes on in verse 29. He says, are, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? He's saying these birds are, have no value. He says, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head, or lack thereof, are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And we got to rewind a couple chapters here in Matthew to really kind of get some context to the situation. Like, well, Jesus, how can you tell me not to be afraid, but then to kind of be afraid and, and, and that I don't have to fear this stuff you're telling me that's going to happen, you know, because, because, you know, but I do need to fear you. What, what was going on here? And I think if you go back to chapter 8, it kind of gives us some context. And in Matthew 8, starting in verse 23, uh, Jesus and his disciples were in a boat and they're going across this lake and suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake. It's important there. Suddenly, came out of nowhere, a fierce. It wasn't just some, you know, uh, you know, just a, a light shower or, or a breeze. No, this was like, you know, torrential, like hurricane type winds were happening. How many of you have ever had a suddenly like scared to death moment, right? Where just suddenly something happened, you were scared to death. For me, it didn't happen that long ago. I was in Birmingham, Alabama. It's, it's an amazing place if you ever want to go visit. Uh, I was there for a conference and I wouldn't suggest vacationing there ever. Uh, but I was there and I had to connect in Atlanta to get back to Columbus. And so the morning, I had a really early flight, like 6.30 in the morning or something. And it would have been storming all night, like tornado warnings and all this stuff. And I was like, man, my flight's going to be delayed. And so it just so happened, it got delayed a little bit. But there was a break enough in the weather that they could take off and get us to Atlanta. And I'm not, you know, a, a world traveler by any means, but I've flown a lot. I don't have a fear of flying. I'm not afraid of it. And I've been on some planes where there's been turbulence before. But this morning, as we began to take off and to ascend, there was turbulence like I had never experienced before. Uh, I was in the back of the plane, and so I had a great view of everyone else in the plane. And in unison, this turbulence was so strong that everyone at the same time would go this way, and then this way, and then up and then down. And, you know, again, I, I'm not super scared of it, but it was enough to, to startle me. It Suddenly, I was like, oh, man, like, I hope we're okay. And so I just began to pray silently under my breath, and I look over across the aisle, and this poor girl is, like, gripping the seat just with her eyes closed, you know. And I'm like, it, it'll be all right. You know, we'll be, we'll be all right. And, and, but it was violent. It was shaking the whole plane. Luggage was, was rattling above our heads. And for a moment there, I had this scared to death kind of moment. 
And maybe for you it was a, a car accident that, that maybe didn't happen and almost happened or something that happened. But this is where the disciples are at. They've had a suddenly, oh man, we're fearful for our lives. This, this is not a good situation. And it says that when this storm came up, the waves were breaking into the boat and Jesus was sleeping. He was asleep in the boat with them. Some of you maybe have felt that way in your own life. Turbulent times. Life is shaking. Issues are happening and and you're scared. There's, There's unknowns that are happening and you feel like Jesus is sleeping on you. And maybe you've even left the faith or distanced yourself from God and from Jesus because you felt like he let you down. You felt like he was asleep. You felt like he forgot you. You felt like he didn't answer when you called out to him. But I want to tell you today that you can have faith too, just like the disciples. They experienced the same thing, yet they still follow Jesus to the very end of their life. And I believe today that hopefully you're going to understand why. And we could really take a whole other message just on that, that topic alone of, of when he answered and when he didn't. But I believe if you will really trust God and believe in his word, that you'll understand that he is with you, that he's not asleep in your life. So the disciples go to Jesus in verse 25 and it says they wake him up and they're shouting at Jesus, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And maybe you feel like that today, that the waves of fear and the issues of life are crashing into your boat and you feel overwhelmed and you feel like you're going to drown and you're crying out with the same fear and worry and anxiety to Jesus as the disciples were. And this is how Jesus responds to him. He simply just says, why are you afraid? I don't know about you, but that was me. I'd be like, "Uh, Jesus, open your eyes, bro. I know you've been sleeping. Do you see the wind? Do do, Do you feel the water crashing in? The boat's filling up here. What do you mean, why are we afraid? We just told you we're, we're getting ready to drown. Why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you helping us? And Jesus responds, you guys have so little faith. You just don't get it. Then he got up. He rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. It goes on in verse 27. It says the disciples were amazed, and they said, who is this man? Who is this guy that's in the boat with us? I mean, we've seen Jesus do some stuff, but, but even the wind and the waves obey him. They had forgotten who was in the boat, and then they suddenly realized who was in the boat. In Mark's account of the gospel, in his gospel account in this story, he actually puts the Greek word for fear, uh, the, the, the Greek noun and verb together in a way where it says this. If you were to translate it, it says that, that they were amazed and they feared a greater fear. So they were afraid, but now they were afraid. They were afraid of the storm, but now when they recognized that reverent fear of Jesus, they recognized who was in the boat with them. It said that they were afraid of the power that Jesus put on display. They went, oh my gosh, who is this man who is with us? And despite maybe what your mom and dad told you growing up, that there is nothing to fear, maybe there is something to be afraid of, but perhaps We've been afraid of the wrong things, and we haven't really put our reverent fear and trust into the one who's in control of all things. 
Jesus says, don't be afraid of that that can kill the body, but not the soul. Don't fear the person, the financial crisis, the sickness, whatever it may be. Fear the one who's in control of all of that. The disciples were eclipsed by a greater fear of who was in the boat with them. But still, the disciples give us all hope. They still didn't get it. They see this stuff. They see Jesus do this. And throughout the Gospels, they struggle. Throughout their time with Jesus, they struggle with fear. In Matthew 14, if we fast forward a few chapters, they're kind of in a similar situation. Jesus tells them to get in the boat. And it, they're probably like, hey, hey, Jesus, do you remember a few weeks back you told us to get in the boat? And uh, you were actually with us. And didn't go so well. You want us to get in the boat again? He goes, yeah, and this time, I want you to go ahead of me. I'm not going to come with you. So Jesus was teaching these large crowds. He dismisses the crowds. Jesus goes up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And it says, later that night, he was there alone. And, uh, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. And it was being buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So it's the same guy, same boat, different situation. No Jesus this time. And it's not a bad storm. They're rowing against the wind, right? Have you ever done that before? It's not very fun, right? And so they're rowing, and it's a, it's a strong wind. And so all night they're rowing, and they're getting nowhere. They're rowing in place. And then it says that in verse 25, shortly before dawn, so it had been all night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. He's walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Now, thankfully, God is patient with us, right? His mercy is new every day. But can you imagine maybe the frustration that Jesus had with his disciples? Like, guys, look, we, we've been through this before. And a very similar situation. Why are you afraid again? Why are you calling out in fear and Jesus, if it would have been me, I would have been like, you dumb disciples, what do I got to do to get this through your thick heads? I am God. I am the son of God. I am here. I have all power, all authority, but they're still afraid. And Jesus doesn't rebuke them, but this is what he says. Verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, they said, we're afraid, they're terrified. He said, take courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. And the disciples, maybe for a moment, a light bulb goes off and they go, so wait a second, before you were with us and you calmed the storm and, and now you weren't with us, but could it be that you were still watching over us? That you knew what we were facing, you knew what we were getting into? And I think Jesus is kind of like, yeah. I'm with you, I'm watching over you. And that was when Jesus was there in person. Now, since Jesus has gone to heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit, he's always with us. He's always watching over us. There was a song, an old hymn, written in 1905 by Sevilla Martin called His Eye is on the Sparrow. And maybe you've heard it before. It goes like this. I'm not gonna sing it. I'm just gonna recite it like a poem for you this morning. Uh, maybe someday I'll do that. I need some lessons, but... It says this, for his eyes on the sparrow, and this comes from the passage we shared earlier in Matthew where Jesus is teaching. He says, look, if a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without God knowing about it. And he, he, he values you more than that. It says, his eyes on the sparrow, so I know he watches me. Let not your heart be troubled. His tender word I hear. In resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts and fears. Though by faith he leadeth, 
but one step I may see. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he's watching me. You see, Jesus is teaching his disciples this lesson, and I believe he's teaching it to you and I today, and it's this. You don't have to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of. You don't have to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of. And I want you to experience kind of the the power of this statement. If you're a Jesus follower, this can be and should be our response to fear. And today I want you to make it personal, and they'll leave it up here on the screens, but I want you to make it personal yourself. I don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. Let's say that all together here right now. Let's say this with me. Come on. I don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. You don't have to be afraid. Well, how can that be? How is that? Let's go on it. Still, Jesus' disciples aren't necessarily getting this lesson. Throughout all of their experiences and all that they saw Jesus do, all that they had been with him, they saw him you know, quiet the storm, they saw him raise people from the dead, they saw him heal many people, and they still were fearful. When Jesus is arrested, his disciples all run in fear. They lied, they denied, they hid, they didn't go to his funeral, they ran in fear for their lives. They did not fear not. They were scared. They feared the one who could harm the body and ran in fear for their lives. But then, after the Gospels, they emerged somehow fearless. If you go on and start in the book of Acts, after the four Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's account of Jesus' life and ministry... Then in the book of Acts, after Jesus ascends to heaven, sends his Holy Spirit, these same disciples that ran in fear are now standing before the ones who killed Jesus and preaching the gospel with boldness with the likes that we've never seen again. Peter, the one who denied Jesus, who hid and ran for his life when they were going to kill him, emerges after the gospels with boldness and fear to literally rebuke the very ones who killed Jesus, begins to preach his gospel, and then goes on to be martyred for his faith. What happened? What changed for them? And it's this right here. The disciples became fearless when they saw a resurrected Savior. They saw Jesus die and come back to life. And when that happened, when they saw that, all of a sudden they go, oh, now we get it. This is who you are. This is what you're about. And because they saw a resurrected Savior and Jesus rose from the dead, they became fearless. And today, because of the resurrection, you and I can be fearless too. The resurrection made them fearless. It can make You and I fearless. And why is that? Because the ultimate fear of death has been defeated. Right? If you think about your fear, whatever it may be, if you fast forward it to the end, it's either your own issues, the the fear of your own death, and what could the fate that may be for you or for someone you love. That's ultimately where it goes. And so when you 
Fast forward every fear to death, and when we realize that death has been defeated, they lost their fear of death because death was finally conquered, and they finally feared not. Miracles didn't do it. Living life with Jesus didn't do it. Seeing all that Jesus did didn't do it. But when Jesus came back from the dead, the disciples were fearless. And so when you put your faith in Jesus, you too can live fearless. When you believe in the power of what Jesus did and that he did it for you personally, when you put your faith in that and you live in reverent fear of him, you can live a life full of faith, not fear. You won't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. In late second century, there was a Roman emperor named Marcus Aurelius. Any gladiator fans out there, right? Marcus Aurelius. And he oversaw the fourth major persecution of Christians, about 175 to 180 AD. And during that time period, there was a famous doctor and writer named Claudius Galenius. I'm glad I wasn't Roman back then. Um, And a lot of his writings were preserved. And, And throughout his writings that they have, he mentioned Christians quite a few times. And during this time frame, it was illegal for a doctor to examine a body once it was dead. But you could, however, examine a body while the person was still dying. I'm sorry for the morbid illustration this morning, but I promise you I'm going somewhere with this. So he couldn't examine bodies once they were dead, and so while they were dying, they could. And so these doctors would hang around when Christians were being persecuted. And it wasn't good. They were being tortured and murdered for their faith. And they would hang around and they would examine these Christians as they were dying, looking at their bodies, what would happen to try to learn more about the human body. And in his writings, he was quoted as saying this, for fearlessness of death and the hereafter is something we witness in them, Christians, every day. So every day they're killing Christians and every day this doctor is right here. And the observation that made the Roman Empire take notice was that these Christians were fearless of death and they were not afraid of what came after it. And that got the attention of the Roman Empire, got the attention of this doctor because everyone is afraid of death except those who believe in a risen Savior who defeated death. That's why Jesus could teach and tell his disciples and tell you and I, fear not, because he knew he was going to conquer death. He knew it was going to be defeated. And because of that, you don't have to be afraid, even though there is something to be afraid of. Because he's defeated death and he's with you. Today I want to ask you a question. What do you fear the most? What is it for you? Losing a child? Losing another child? Your own health? Your own financial situation? The tension that's in our world right now? The wars, the issues, the terrorism? Your marriage? the health of a loved one, your career, what is it for you? And today, whatever that thing is, it teaches you something. The first is this, whatever it is for you, that's what you value the most in your life. 
And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But what you're most fearful of losing or fearful of happening is what you value the most. And the second thing is this, and this one's a little tougher to swallow. It's what you value the most in your life, and it's what you trust God the least with. That's what it is. So what do we do about that? Well, I believe that God's trying to get your focus off of the what-ifs of life and on the what-is of life. He's trying to get your focus off of all of that stuff. Jesus said, don't fear the stuff that can just take your body. Fear me. Trust me. Put your faith in me. And he's trying to get your focus off of what is onto what, what, what ifs onto what is. And because of your Savior, you don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. And I feel like today, on behalf of Jesus, that's what he's telling me to tell you. Don't be afraid. He's got it. You can trust him. He's with you. And he'll be with you to the very end. You see, I had to learn that lesson early on for me. You know the story of our daughter Riley. She's seven now, but at five weeks old, she had to have open heart surgery. And I'll never remember, I'll never forget how I felt in, in trusting God with her. I, I loved her with a love where I would have given my life for her at that moment, no questions asked, and I still remember God telling me, I love her more than you. She's mine. Put her in my hands. She's not yours. She doesn't belong to you. Do you trust me? And I had to put my little five-week-old baby in God's hands. And believe me, I was scared. But I knew that God was with me. And today you may feel like God isn't with you, that you're in a storm and you're afraid and you feel like he's sleeping in the boat. But today you need to know he's not asleep. He's fully aware. He knew the storm before it ever started. And the same voice that created the wind and the waves, he spoke those things into existence, has the authority to silence them. As the band comes and we close out, I just want to encourage you with this. A lot of times I see when people get in, in chaotic situations and they're fearful, they begin to shout at their storm. Why is this happening? And they get upset and they even shout at God and they, they don't understand and they're trying in and of themselves to find the strength to navigate the rough seas to get out of it. And Instead of shouting at your storm today, I want to encourage you. You don't need to shout. Why don't you just whisper to your Savior, God, I need you. Jesus, are you there? Are you with me? You see, but to whisper to your Savior, you got to get close to him, right? And a lot of times fear and issues of life will, will cause us to, to keep God at a distance, to push him back instead of pulling into him. And I share this illustration all the time because I think it's just such an accurate picture of how our Heavenly Father relates to us. But I have young kids, and when they get scared, all they want to do is get in my bed. <laughs> just two nights ago, Maddox had a bad dream about a tornado. I don't even know why. But 3 a.m., he's in my room. And I tried 
thoroughly for about three minutes to convince him to go back to his own bed because I was way too lazy to pick him up and carry him back myself. And I finally gave in and said, buddy, just get in bed with me. You see, because he just needs to get close to his dad. He needs to get close to his mom to know that he's okay. To get in the presence of his father and it brings him security and peace. And I believe that that's what's God wanting for you today. When you get scared, don't push him away. Pull him in. Scripture tells us all the time that when you draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. When you seek after God, you will find him. But you have a part to play in your peace. It's not just sitting back passively waiting for God to do something. The disciples went and woke Jesus up. If you feel like he's sleeping, wake him up. Seek him. Knock on heaven's door until he answers. The Bible says those who keep knocking, those who keep seeking, they will find me. And when you find me, you find life. When you find me, you find peace. And maybe God is rocking your boat and stirring up a storm in your life because you haven't been seeking him. And what's more important than you feeling secure and stable is that you seek your heavenly father, that you know him. And maybe he's trying to wake you up with a storm so that you'll seek after the one who has the authority to bring peace to your life. So when it comes to getting peace, you gotta pursue the Lord. You gotta seek after God. Fear will paralyze you. It'll try to keep God at a distance. It'll try to keep you locked away from him. But when you get scared, let it prompt you to run into your dad's room in the middle of the night and say, dad, wake up, I need you. And if I, who values my sleep more than anything, (laughs) am willing to throw my restless, big old five-year-old on my pillow because of how much I love him, how much do you think your heavenly father is gonna do for you? He loves you. He desires to know you. David said in Psalm 34, four, he says, I sought the Lord. I sought after him. And he answered me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. Take a moment, think about that for a second. He sought God, and God delivered. He removed his fears. He took them away. There's no fear that can hold you hostage anymore. He can remove every fear that you have if you'll simply seek after your heavenly Father. When I was growing up and we would sing this song and you've probably heard it before. He's got the whole world in his hands. You guys heard that song before? Again, I'm not gonna sing it. But you all know the, the, the verse over and over. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. And that's pretty much a lot of us know. But if you actually look up the song, there's a few verses to it where he says he's got the whole world in his hands. And then it says he's got the little bitty baby in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got everybody here in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. And with childlike faith, we believe that, sing that, and we believe it. My kids will go, wow, how big is God's hand? I'll go, I don't even know. It's huge. 
the whole world is in his, yes, it is. But somehow through life experiences and through the difficulties of life, we can still sing it, but we don't really believe it. Do you believe he's got your world in his hands, your health, your future, your financial situation? Do you believe he's got your little bitty baby in his hands? Do you believe that he loves your kid more than you do? Do you believe that he had a plan for your child before you ever even thought about having one? Do you believe that? Do you believe he's got your world in his hands? Because he does. And when you really believe that, you see, what you fear the most, the what if for you, the whatever it is, is what you value the most, but what you trust God the least with. But if you really believe that you can trust him with your what if, you can believe in the what is, that he's got it. He's got you. He's got your kids. He's got your future. He's got your career. He's got it. And if you believe that, and you base your life and you build it upon the foundation of who Jesus is and what he did for you, that because he rose from the dead, that you don't have to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of. Would you stand with me today? We're gonna sing, he's got the whole world in his hands with the band. I'm just playing, we're not gonna do that. (laughs) I thought about it. We're going to sing another song that you know, that you've heard here at Adventure Church before. And it's called Trust It All. But the chorus of this song says this. My life is in your hands. I trust it all. I trust it all to you. My dreams, all of my plans, I trust it all. I trust it all to you. Forever I am changed. I'll never be the same. You know what that means to me? I'm changed. I used to fear stuff. Now I don't have to fear stuff. I've been changed because of the love of God. Because he sent his son into this world. And Jesus willingly died on your behalf and defeated death. And so you don't have to be afraid even when you're afraid. And Jesus' words in John 14, 1, he says, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. It's going to get rough sometimes. It's going to be difficult sometimes. There's going to be stuff that could cause you to be fearful, but don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And if you build your life and put your faith in Jesus, we too can emerge like the disciples, fearless, boldly pursuing God, and trusting him with our lives. God, we love you. We're so thankful today that you welcome us as we are with all of our issues, with all of our baggage, that you welcome us into your presence. We don't have to be fearful to approach you, that we can do so with confidence, knowing that when we do, we find mercy and we find grace. We thank you for that today, God. And we pray today, God, that you would help us to fully surrender and to trust you with our lives. God, that we would believe that you're in control that we would put our faith in you once again, trusting you with every area of our lives, putting our lives in your hands. God, you're worthy of our trust. 
You'll never let us down. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And you are always working everything we face for our good and your glory. We trust you today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.